Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we help you learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And today, I have one of my very favorite people and authors, John Eldridge. John, your book, I was just telling you off offline, your book made such an impact on me, Wild at Heart. I know you've written many books, but that book was amazing. It really inspired me, and um, I just, I'm so, so thankful for you. And you spoke in our Brave Code Conference, I don't know, that was a couple, three years ago, right before COVID, I believe. Profound, powerful. I still have the notes, still review those notes. Thank you so much for being on Cultural Catalyst. Oh, I'm honored to, Chris. It's good to see you again. Hey, John, uh, I'd love for our audience to get to hear a little bit about you before we talk about anything else. So tell us about you, about your, 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 your life, your ministry, and, and your family, if you would. Just, uh, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so grew up in L.A. Uh, now I live in Colorado. Um, Rocky probably Mountain. growing up in L.A. was really rough. It was the 60s, 70s. It was the hippie culture, drug thing. I got into all that stuff. Oh, wow. But my rescue was my grandfather's cattle ranch in eastern Oregon. So that's really significant because I love the outdoors. I love nature. Uh, So when we had a chance to get out of L.A., moved to Colorado, went to grad school here uh, as a therapist. So that's my my training, my background. Um, And, yeah, I'm married to Stacy 40 years this year. years. And uh, love her. She's just a fabulous fabulous woman. Um, and we, we have three sons, three adult sons. They're building their families now. So we have five grandchildren and we love, we love the grandchildren. I mean, they're today. the best, right? I would just have precious. grandchildren if I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. So I, I direct a ministry called wild at heart and we do a lot of work, um, really about healing people's hearts, healing their stories, childhood trauma, Kind of restoring the soul is is the work we do. You are a, you are a licensed therapist, right? That yeah. that is your that was your occupation or is your occupation, yep. right? Well, it's no longer. I don't see clients anymore because oh, um, the ministry just took off, and I became an author, and that took off, and I, I'm in my sweet spot. I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. I still I still live as a therapist because I uh, you know I love people. I spend time with people. I just, I just don't charge them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't need to, right? Because you're making a living there. We make a living. Yeah. yeah. John, uh, this isn't on our list of questions, but I've wanted to ask you, what inspired you to write Wild at Heart? Because that was such mm. an impactful book. It's, I think it sold, I don't know how many copies, but millions of copies. And it's, it's really kind of started a movement. What I mean, does that like was it like a flaming pie Holy Spirit thing, or or what inspired you to write that book? Yeah, it's it's just so remarkable to to um, I'm re- I've been reading over the holidays uh, Martin Gilbert's uh, biography of Churchill. It's like seventeen hundred pages. I love Churchill. Yeah, me too. And and Churchill said when he finally became prime minister in the in the midst of the war, he said, "I felt like I was finally fulfilling." God's purpose for my life. I'm paraphrasing what he said, yeah. but you you remember the famous quote. He yeah. says, "I felt like I was walking with destiny." Yeah. Um, so, you guys, if you take the intersection of when Wild at Heart happened, um, I was raised 
it, um, by a feminist. I was raised by a woman. My mother hated men. Um, and John, it was during. Oh, I, yeah. I never heard that part of the story. <clears throat> yeah, she she was a very, uh, very, very brilliant woman. She taught at the university level until she was 85. Um, but she hated men. And uh, so I, I grew up in an alcoholic home um, and in a home where masculinity was absolutely abhorred. It was it was like hated. Um, this is the 70s. OK, so this is the feminist movement and yeah. the bra burning and oh, yeah. all that stuff's going on. Yeah. Um, and, and then the intersection of, I have three little boys and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to raise boys. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a dad? Um, and the, the intersection of this cultural moment, the culture was asking these profound questions about masculinity and, I get my work as a therapist, you know, I start a private practice and I'm seeing mostly men. I didn't plan on that. It just happened. And so it, it was a, it was an intersection um, of my own therapeutic work personally through my own story of raising boys and of a cultural moment. Wild at Heart came out at, at the moment it, it, that this it was it was a word in season. It was something needed in the time, and and it spoke. It just spoke so, and it's still speaking. It's it's still healing men and marriages and sexuality. Yeah. What do you think? Define for me from your perspective what healthy masculinity is. We're going to talk about toxic masculinity, but mm-hmm. which is <clears throat> the perversion. But what is what does healthy masculinity look like to you? Yeah, I think we have to back up for a moment and and recover the story, because in Genesis, when when the human story is being introduced and put within its context, the first thing we learn is that we are God's creation. We we bear the imago Dei, the image of God. It's it's holy um, in our gender. It says male and female. He made them. Gender is filled with dignity. It is filled with beauty. It is so vital. So first we want to say, what's healthy masculinity? It it is how we reflect the image of God. Now, we have something um, easily at our disposal. What's healthy masculinity? Well, look at Jesus. There you go. He's phenomenal. He is strong where strength is needed. He is tender where tenderness is needed. He is fierce where fierceness is needed and playful where playfulness is just the right thing. And so I would say masculinity is strength on behalf of others. That's what it is. It is courage and strength on behalf of others. What? Okay, so that's the right version. What is toxic masculinity? And then the next question you can ask, answer them together if you want, is what do you think the key, what, what is the catalyst to toxic masculinity? Like what is causing that term and that, you, you, you know, culture, culture yeah. to to basically demonize masculinity. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So um, everyone listening to this knows that we're in a time of massive cultural collapse. 
where gender is no longer considered to be a legitimate category. Yeah. Okay. So um, when the APA, American Psychological Association, came out with that report on toxic masculinity, I read it. And I, I actually agree with quite a bit of it because what they were addressing was a purely therapeutic issue. As therapists, they were saying, look, we're seeing too many men who are totally out of touch with their emotions and they don't make good dads. And I would say, yep, that's true. Men who are totally out of touch with their emotions don't make good dads. The problem is the culture seized on that in the moment where gender was collapsing and, and people have come to think that toxic masculinity means any masculinity. Like masculinity itself is just a bad yeah, thing. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's not what the APA meant in the first place. Where does it come from? It's the Rambo John Wayne stuff. It's the it's the caricature of masculinity where men are only tough. But but again, you look at Jesus and you go, well, he's tough when he needs to be tough. Yeah. But he's, he's tender when tenderness is needed. And it's the absence of the tenderness. It's the absence of emotional intelligence. Um, emotional intelligence is very, very important in raising children. Absolutely. You have you got to dial in and, and treat their tender little hearts well to be a good dad. And so um, but now the idea of toxic masculinity is we just got to get rid of gender. And and if you believe in the image of God, if you believe in Genesis one, you say, whoa, 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 no, 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 let's heal gender. Let's he because I I, I yeah. you know said I grew up in an alcoholic home. Yeah, there was a lot of healing that needed to happen between me and my dad. There was a lot of healing that needed to happen in my heart because of his fathering and his failures as a father. But you don't want to chuck fatherhood out. You, you want to heal it. Let's heal gender. Let's heal masculinity back into something more like what we see in Jesus. What do you think that journey looks like, John? I mean, what's it look like personally? And then what's it look like in culture? Because I think those are related, but they are a little different things. Yeah, they are, they're very different mm -hmm. because of the moment that we're in. Yeah. So let's take the personal thing first. Um, there's something very important. You, can't, you cannot impart the, the loving strength that you are meant to bring the world as a man until you know you are a man, until your core identity is restored in Christ. And, and let me show you why. So every little boy is asking one question, one. And the question is, do I have what it takes? Yep. And so when he rides his bike with no hands, he wants his dad to see it. Yeah. When he learns to do the flip on the trampoline, he wants his dad to see it. When he gives his first speech or he's in the choir, he wants dad there to say, well done, pal. You're amazing. You got, you got it. You have what it takes. The search for validation is the core search of a man's life. And that's where he carries his deepest wounds. Wow. So if you have been profoundly wounded, and every man has, um, you don't know that you have what it takes. And so what you'll do is you'll play it safe. You'll stay at work, but you won't talk to your 16-year-old daughter. You'll go to the gym because you feel good there, 
but you don't know how to deal with your wife's anxiety disorder. So until a man, you were asking, how do we get there? Yeah. I, I would say, guys, your father wants to talk to you about who you are as a man. And he wants to bring the validation into your life that you did not receive or, or to correct the negative messages that you did receive, right? Yes. <clears throat> that's core. Okay, that's the, that's the internal journey is that you, you need to get your heart back as a man and you need to know who you are. And that can take place in good masculine fellowship. It can take place with a good therapist. It can take place with a good father figure, yes. a coach, a teacher, yeah. a pastor. So good. Um, but, but ultimately, it's you and God, right? And you hearing from your father how proud he is of you. John, is this a little bit related to like the rite of passage in a way? Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Because masculinity is bestowed by masculinity. The, 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 the masculine journey is something where, you know, he learns to ride a bike and, and then he learns to drive a car and then he learns to handle money. And then, right, you see a progression yes. and, and a, a boy and a young man is meant to be mentored through that, initiated through difficulty into this core conviction of I have strength and it's for others, right? Because yes. it's strength on behalf of others. I have a genuine strength to bring to the world and it's not about me. It's, it's for others. It's, it's for the world, okay? So he learns that through that process uh, of masculine initiation. Yep. My, uh, you know, my father drowned when I was three, and I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Two stepfathers who were, they were broken, you know, at the time. Yeah. They, they were incredibly abusive. But I look back, and it's like, it wasn't that they didn't love me. It's that they didn't love themselves, you know. But my grandfather um, was, he was my role model. And uh, I remember this rite of passage thing. I, I moved out at 17, and, and whenever um, we had a big family dinner, which was typically Thanksgiving, Christmas, something like that, we'd all go to my grandparents' house, all of the cousins, and I had seven cousins who were all girls. And, uh, you know, the adults sat at the big table, which, you know, held about, I don't know, probably 12, 15 people with some card, you know, with, with some uh, chairs, um, folding chairs. And then there was the card tables, and then there was the plywood. And, you know, yeah. And it, it, my grandparents' house wasn't super big, so that, that went all the way into the hallway. Yeah. And uh, I remember at 15, you know, getting to dinner early and sitting at the big table, and my mother just looked over at me as if to say, you can't be that stupid. And by the time I got up from the table and, you know, relieved myself of my position that wasn't given to me, I had to sit at the plywood, right, past where I should have been. When I was 17, I was sitting at the card tables, which where all the teenagers sat, but I had moved out of the house, and I was on my own. I'll never forget it. My grandfather turned to me, and he said, you belong up here with us. There it is. That was, uh, you can tell by my emotion, you know, yeah. 60, 50 years later. Like, my grandfather yeah. was saying, you're an adult. And that moment shifted my thought about me. That I was exactly. I was a man. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's right. What you're saying is so profoundly powerful because 
we have men all around us who are saying, how can I help? And it's like that moment changed me. Yes. All my grandfather yes. did was say, you belong up here with us. Yes. And it That's shifted. Right. I'm no longer a boy. Yes. I am a man. Yes. I belong look, at the look, big look, table. Look, this is the moment of Jesus' baptism. The father speaks and he says two things. He says, I love you. I adore you. And you have what it takes. Jesus, you, you are the real deal. And so in all the ways that we can do that for the boys and the younger men in our lives, I mean, look at the impact of just one meal on your life, right? So one set of words, yeah. So profound. John, how do we heal culture? Because that, you know, we, we just talked about the individual. And of course, we get enough of those guys going and we got, we got, we got a catalytic movement, right? That's right. So in, in That's one right. Way. What's <clears throat> yeah. your approach to culture? Yeah. Well, um, it's really interesting because I actually worked in politics many years ago. I worked in Washington, D.C., and I was leaving the Department of Health and Human Services. I had actually had an interview. I was conducting an interview as a journalist uh, with the secretary of HHS. It, uh, it was Louis Sullivan at the time. He was a really good man. Uh, but he was showing me all the programs of this is how we're going to end teenage pregnancy and this is how we're going to end you know, domestic violence, and that kind of thing. And I'm leaving HHS, and it is a massive bureaucracy. We're talking billions of dollars. Yeah. And I'm walking back across the mall in D.C., and I remember saying to myself, that will never work. You have to change the human heart. You have to change the human heart. And so on a grassroots level, it, it, it is healing men. But you're asking a bigger question, um, and I would say to guys, first off, um, you, you bloom where you're planted, gang. You bring redemption where you are. So you got to start with your family, your church, your work. Like this is, this is your sphere of influence, guys. Yeah. So bring your loving strength there. Bring redemption there. Bring healing there. Stand up. Be counted. Uh, but we're living in a very, very intense cultural moment. I mean, the world is in massive cultural massive. upheaval. Okay. So, guys, can I just recommend a couple things? Like, three minutes of news a day, no more. Like, get out of the news. You get the basics. Like, you need to know what's going on, yeah. you know. But, but you don't need to dwell there because the um, news is sold. It, it's actually a commodity. They buy your time. They buy your attention. It's entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Um, and, and, and you don't want that narrative. Then you want to be living in the story of God, living in the narrative of God. Because the cultural madness right now has got a lot of men really angry and really fearful. And you don't want to live in that. You don't want to live in anger and fear. You want to live in love and strength. Um, so, so I would say the next the level up, is you need to get with a group of guys. You need to get with a group of guys, small group of guys, something in your church where the group of you can begin to pray about these things. Wow. You, you, you need that support. You can't just be one guy out there taking on the madness. You know, it's not going to work. Yeah. Get in a group of guys who can support one another, fight for one another, love one another, and then do something about, do something about the heartache. Yeah, that that is really, really so good. What do you think the what do you think the impact a healthy man brings on a family? 
like, like what, you know, uh, I, I, what I'm thinking of is this. Man's listening. He's like, am I a healthy man? Am I a healthy father? Am I a healthy husband? What does that look like? Like, what, were, what would be some, you know, some, what is the fruit of a healthy man in a family? Yeah, that's so good. Because Chris. no such thing as a perfect man. <clears throat> nope. And there's no such thing as a perfect family. Nope. And we tend to, we kind of remember the last time we failed. As a, so like, what, is, what are measurements of a healthy, a healthy man on, a man's having a, what, a, a, a father, a, a husband's having on a family? This is really easy, guys. Do your kids like being with you? Does your presence in the room something they enjoy? Okay. And, and then we can go a little bit further than that. Are they flourishing as, as children, as young men and women, as adults? Are they flourishing because you're in their life? And if you're not so sure about that, fellas, I'm going to give you its strength on behalf of others. You may, I'm going to give you something to do. Ask them. That's scary. Ask your kids, hey, what's it like when I come in the room? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You need to know that, fellas. You do. And, and if they say, well, it depends. You know, it, it depends on if you're mad. It depends on if you've been drinking. It de- you know, you need to know that. But this is a real simple test. David, when David made, was made king, there's a fascinating scripture that goes with it. It says he knew that he was made king for the sake of the people. Yep. God, God didn't make David king for David. He did it for Israel, right? Because he would be a good king. The people would flourish under his care. So your soccer team, your, your you know, company, your department, your school classroom, wherever you are, the, the people should flourish because you're the guy. That's the test. Are people flourishing? It, you know, simple but profound, right? I remember we were having this dialogue. It's not directly related, but to your point. We're having this dialogue uh, in our senior leadership meeting at our church, which was, which includes about twenty people. And Bill Johnson was in the room that day, which is he he often doesn't come to those meetings, and uh, and we were dialoguing about how do we grow our church, right? And so it's going yeah. on and on back and forth, an hour and a half. I mean, it was good stuff. It was all about loving people, you know. It wasn't it wasn't like you know let's give away a, a you know let's give away a sports car if you bring a friend it, was, it wasn't anything yeah. like that but the dialogue was going back and forth and bill was doing what he often does which is sit there quietly and uh and you know and he's the most important person in the room in in some ways right so finally after about an hour and a half i turned to him and i said you know what do you think and he said i don't want to grow a big church i just want to grow big people and i'm like conversation over <laughs> Yeah, mic drop. Maybe we should have started with you. <laughs> Conversation <laughs> over, right? Yes. Because if you if if the goal of your life is pouring into other people, if that's your goal, then you need feedback as to how well you're doing it. Yep. Which is what you're saying, right? That's right. Because yeah. You want another scary task, guys? Ask your wife. Say, hey babe, <laughs> how how we doing? How we doing? 
Right. That's a really important question. And then, and then here's the thing. If your kids have the courage or if your wife has the courage to tell you, do not shut them down when the next sentence <laughs> don't go, well, hang on, like I'm working hard or, you know, kind of thing. Or how about, like, how about, well, well, you do the same thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that, fellas. Be a man. Take it on the chin and say, I hear you. Thank you for that. I, I really do want to be a better man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to walk in the door angry. Thanks, thanks for that input. Yeah. John, we're coming to a close. Anything that you would like to say that I haven't asked? Anything come that, to your mind that you would like you guys, to say? Yes, yes. Masculinity and femininity are under massive assault in the world right now. But, but they are healed through union with Jesus. You are a branch you are not a vine. You need a vine. Okay? And there isn't anybody who can heal your masculinity like Jesus can. So the core thing you do is you pursue intimacy with Jesus. You let him in. Let him into the struggle. Let him into the anger. Let him into the sexual stuff. Let him in so that he can restore your masculinity. Men are embarrassed when we need help. Guys, <laughs> we all need help, man. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Get Christ into your need so that he can restore your masculinity. That's where the strength comes from. It comes from the presence of the indwelling God within you. That's beautiful. John, you have a lot of materials that you've written and it's hard it's hard to, you know, heal a whole person in a half hour conversation. <laughs> yeah. Can can you make some suggestions of what guys can do from here? Wild of Heart, of course, is a, yep. is a great book that had a huge impact yep. on my life. What else yep. do you have that and how would they get a hold of it? Well, if you've read Wild at Heart, I would jump all the way to the new book. And the new book is called Resilient, Restoring Your Weary Soul in These Times. Because it, it brings you into that union with Jesus I was just talking about so that he can restore your soul and that you can just be in a better place. You don't have to be living on fumes, fellas. So good. John, how do they, let's see, I don't have a website here. How do they get a hold? Oh, I do. Wild, at wildatheart.org. That's simple. simple as that. Wildatheart.org. Would you pray for us before we close? Yeah. Father, you are our Father, and we need you so deeply in this hour. I'm going to go to I, because this is personal. I need you yes. deeply, Father. Would you come to me? Would you father me? Would you speak to my deep need? to know who I am as a man. Father, come into my sexuality, yes, come into my finances, come into my emotions. Father me. Yes, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank Amen. You. Amen. John, what a wonderful interview. Thank you so much. Love you, pal. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.